Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, no matter where you're listening, around the world, this is Sedona Talk Radio. Welcome everyone, welcome to Spiritual Tools with Melissa Boyd. I am your host of Spiritual Tools. I am a psychic medium and I'm based in um, Kennebunk, Maine, although I do have clients all over the the world and I connect via phone and Skype and in person. And my goal is to really help you to learn that you are a vibrational being, that you are energy first in this physical body, having a human experience. And if you could just understand and see that you are a vibrant being, then so many of your issues in your life would shift as well as we would shift the planet. So each week I join you here on Thursday nights at 7 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. And we have guests from around the world, authors and um, interesting folks who are doing just really phenomenal conscious raising work. And I'm really, really excited about this week um, because this week's guest is we're going to be talking about meditation. And I will, I will tell you that almost every single person I sit with who is suffering from, you know, anything from fibromyalgia to anxiety to addiction issues, I ask them, do you have a regular meditation practice? And the answer is, I don't have time. Well, I think we're going to get really into it tonight with our guests, so I'm excited about that. And as you know, after um, we have our guests on the show, I do a nice little um, guided meditation for you to really center yourself, but you can do this at any time. So let me um, move to um, introducing my guest tonight, who is Carlton Brown. And Carlton Brown, uh, Brown was born in the U.K., and raised in New Zealand. Carlton has led an interesting, eclectic, adventurous, and purposeful life. And I think when you hear more about him, you will see that and um, just the amazing things that he's doing and has done. A road less traveled. Carlton is a vegetarian, biotech entrepreneur, vaccine inventor, hobby archaeologist, and private researcher, as well as the author of Discovering Ritual Meditation. His lifetime fascination with pyramid archaeology and cultures, ancient priesthood, ritual knowledge, lost civilizations, and humankind's history is augmented by his research research into science of all. More recently, his interests have expanded to understanding the story lurking behind global climate change. Carlton lives in Guatemala in his spiritual home overlooking the beautiful lake Atillion. I hope I said that right. So welcome, Carlton. Thanks for being on Spiritual Tools. Good afternoon, Melissa. Thank you very much for that lovely welcome, and, uh, and hello to all of your listeners out there. Thank you very much. So let's, um, let's talk a little bit about um, your background, because some of the things that I, I didn't get into is some of the, the research that you've done on vaccines and um, really humanitarian work as well. So could you tell us about how your life led you from there to um, working around ritual meditation? 
<laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's been a very, very long journey. Um, you know, I guess, um, you know, for me, it, it probably started when my mother asked me, what did I want to be when I grew up? And I, I remember within a very short period of time saying I wanted to be a monkey. I wanted to be a veterinarian and a fighter pilot. And, you know, ultimately that shaped my, my journey into life. You know, I, because ultimately I became a veterinarian at age 21. Um, you know, I think it's fair to say I've, uh, you know, my, my life's been filled with lots of adventures and I've been primed, if you like, about pyramids from a, a very early age by my father. So, so he, you know, he indoctrinated me, if you like, into very alternative ways of looking at the world, seeing the world and questioning everything. And, you know, I've, I've gone out into life and, you know, effectively had three careers to date, you know, first as a veterinarian, in part of that in New Zealand, the other part in the UK. And I've been, you know, principally in and around um, emergency and critical care environments. And during the mid-90s, I decided to give up being a veterinary surgeon. I went to London Business School, did an MBA. And the thinking very much there was, you know, I wanted a new career. I wanted to be at the frontier of, you know, high tech. And, you know, for me, the most logical thing was moving into biotechnology and life science. So, you know, I had a, a career, I would say, in various commercial disciplines, you know, within life sciences and ultimately or prior to setting up my company, you know, I found myself working for a French vaccine company. And, you know, it was there. Ultimately, I, I found a big problem um, regarding the mutating virus. So this was things like pandemic flu, HIV, so, um, you know, I was um, commercial director in that company. We faced a major intellectual property conflict with another French company. And, you know, the solutions for me for that were trying to put those two companies together, which we did. And the other was to innovate in new technology. And, you know, the long and the short is the French company was closed down and, you know, and the new targeting systems got its birth rights. And, um, you know, we went on to develop a universal pandemic flu vaccine um, and latterly a universal hepatitis B therapeutic vaccine. So, you know, I stepped down from that job in mid-2012 to take up this, um, you know, new career, if you like, being an author. And, um, you know, it was during my tenureship as CEO, I, um, you know, I went on holiday to Egypt and, um, you know, I read a book called Parker. And, and this really was the primordial question that underpinned this project. I asked the question, you know, were the pyramids built before or after the supposed global catastrophe? And, um, you know, that, that was really the long and the short of the project. And, and the project got underway in 2008. And, you know, I opened up a can of work. So, you know, that ultimately resulted first in the first book called Sun God Sacred Secrets. And the second edition of that book is now called Discovering Retreat. So that brings me to the discussion. So um, that's amazing, and I think maybe there's a little bit of, um, I don't know if we're losing you a little bit at the end of the sentences. So, right, okay. Because um, I, I love what you're talking about, but I want everybody to hear it correctly. Um, you want to hear everything. Yes, uh, every single morsel that you're talking about. <laughs> you know, I, I really feel that... Um, you know, as you as you're talking about this, there is I I do believe you know, universally going on. People just really wanting to do something, um, or being a part of raising consciousness or understanding the hum, you, you know, humanity and and how we can work with humanity. So, had you actually meditated before you um you went to Egypt? Had you had a practice yourself? No, no. You know, the first time I ever meditated was here in Guatemala three years ago on the equinox, literally within hours of me drowning. 
Um, I drowned here on the lake and had a near-death experience, and I basically went home that day and burnt and meditated. And that was, wow. you know, I, that, that was the beginning of this journey. You know, three months later, I had my first transcendental experience, um, you know, with using the ritual meditation process. And, you know, I've, I've had a, you know, a, a very good handful of experiences since then. And, you know, um, it, it, how do we call it? It's, it um, pure consciousness showed me the structure of consciousness. And it helped me understand what we do when we're doing what we're doing, like meditation and yoga. And, you know, what are the different aspects of consciousness that we are, you know, accessing? And, um, you know, for me, I think it's really helpful when we talk about, you know, raising human consciousness and spiritually awakening. I think, you know, we have to understand what we are doing or what we're wanting to do in in, in the context of the structure of consciousness. You know, that is, that is, there are so many layers to what you said. (laughs) Um, But, you know, and and I really believe that, you know, um, for, I mean, I, I, I have a regular meditation practice. I, I always wish it was deeper. In fact, sometimes I think I should go away for months or years and just be silent because it's so, I would say, delicious once you start to really yes. sink into it. Um, yeah. And so for those people listening who say to me when I sit with you, oh, my goodness, I cannot sit still for five minutes. You know, I think mm-hmm. after a while, it really becomes this um, this amazing craving that does lift you. So can you talk a little bit about when you talk about ritual meditation and um, going into this higher state of consciousness for our listeners to describe what that means and, and how you see that working? Do you realize how big that question is? <laughs> I do. Um, I Trust I, I, me. <laughs> Yeah. Do, do you mind if I break that down? Because you know, I, I think potentially the listeners might just want to know a little bit of what that book is about. And yes, ultimately, please, then absolutely, they see the please, please. The, the ritual meditation. I mean, effectively, what I, I have done is, you know, I started out as a kind of a hobby pyramid archaeologist, and um, you know, you know, I've, I've looked at something like 450 pyramids and some god temples. I've looked at thousands of stone circles and I you know even within all of those and and indeed the other some god cultures I didn't look at I found a archaeological fingerprint shared by everyone and everything and you know that fingerprint was effectively embedded in the alignments of the pyramids so um, you know what we see is 80 percent of these pyramids and temples are aligned with the winter solstice sunrise and its corresponding summer solstice sunset or the equinox sunrise and, you know, that for me was, oh, you know, that, that's rather interesting. And that also corresponds with, you know, all of these religions' most important sacred ritual dates and festivals dedicated to their sons. And, um, you know, there's another piece of significance I'll pick up on that shortly. But the second part of the fingerprint is that the priesthoods use the deity art and the icons to embed uh, ritual information in symbolic form. And I decoded or I decrypted you know, their their methodology for embedding that information. And then, you know, the third key point was, you know, the thing that these pyramids and temples and things share in common is they provided places of sensory silence. And there is good evidence that they used meditations, the primary ritual that they were conducting. And, and so, you know, what I did from all of that was to reverse engineer, you know, effectively ritual meditation. That is, you conduct um, an eyes-closed form of meditation conducted in sensory silence, conducted at sacred 
time under the influence of magic mushrooms or combinations of hallucinogens, and we have our body aligned to Earth, Earth's magnetic axis so that we can receive all of those energies from the sun's interaction with it. And when we do that with the right sacred preparation, you know, in the weeks and particularly the three days beforehand, you know, we, we are, you know, in, in my situation, in between two and three, out of four times I'm able to, you know, dissolve the ego consciousness and, you know, become aware of my higher self both inside and outside of space and time as well as pure consciousness. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. It's, you know, this fingerprint spans some 5,000 years of human history. And, you know, it's, it's witnessed within four different sun god religions. So, you know, if we ever wanted validation, first of all, that meditation is the key ritual process. And number two, that psychedelics are not the ritual process, but a means of supplementation of the meditation process. You know, those are the key things that we have to pull out of that afterwards. Wow. Now, um, when we talk about the pyramids, do you think that we're getting closer to understanding their power? Uh, no, <laughs> in a nutshell. Um, yeah, no, look, I, I mean, you know, this, this is the problem we face today is there is so much misinformation out there. And, you know, from my point of view, I call it misinformation unless I can see science, you know, or data hard data backing backing up claims. And, you know, the thing that I found, you know, I, I think there are certain pyramids we just have to kind of put in a, you know, a, a bucket of their own. Places like Giza, Teotihuacan, you know, places in China and Xi'an, um, you know, because there's some very, very special interrelationships between those pyramids going on telling us possibly something else. But, you know, for me, when I when I looked at all of these pyramids, you know, what do I see? You know, you know, these are places that, as I say, they provided places of sensory silence. They gave you altitude above the jungle. You know, there may be some things like, you know, voltage. You know, these are, you know, they increase the surface area and there's electrostatic charge. And maybe they are sort of, you know, causing or enhancing other environmental physics. But I've not seen any science to really tell me what's going on. And um, so I just want to back up for a minute and say, so how um, how did you find this ritual? How did this come to you originally? How did this, you know, information come to you? You know, through, I, I would say I, um, how do we call it? I, I, I'm a, I, I have very good, very strong analytical skills. And, um, you know, um, how do we call it? I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a pattern recognition guy. So, you know, it's just simply asking a question and having the scientific curiosity to say, well, how will I answer that? And my question was, with pyramids built before or after this supposed global catastrophe when the ice caps melted about, you know, 12,000 BC? And I said to myself, well, you know, if the world wasn't that much chaos and there was a shift of the crust or the axis of the planet, then you would expect to see some random distribution of alignment. And it was, therefore, you know, I got onto Google Earth and I looked at all of these and I realized there was nothing random about these alignments. So that was, how do we call it, um, you know, the, the, the beginning of the project. And then I, I created a global map. And it was upon um, creating that global map of all of these pyramids that things started to jump across. And I, and I think, you know, if, if I put my, you know, you know simply put, I've, I've, it, it's been a combination of analytical skills and, you know, just the wherewithal that I have. 
And I've received huge amounts of knowledge and insight from pure consciousness. You know, so, you know, in a lot of ways, I've been taken under the wing. I've been shown things. I was, I was a, how do we call it, awoken to reveal these ritual processes to people because pure consciousness, you know, um, says it's now time for the human species to awake. And for that to happen, we need tools, real spiritual tools. And that is about resolving the ego reality and understanding the paradoxical rhythm of life that we can awaken. And, you know, it it really speaks to the fact that I, I do believe that, you know, um, people on the planet like yourself are being downloaded with these, you know, these new... Um, new scientific solutions to um, issues of really going to a higher frequency, which is where we are, um, where we're moving as a, as a species, because we're really moving from this, you know, um, uh, human being to human luminous, or um, some people are saying, you know, we're just moving from this human form into a spiritual form, and we're going through that process now um, in our evolution I, I, I totally agree with you. And I, you know, there was a bit of at a time, probably you know, less than a year ago. I, um, you know, sort of how do we call it? I've had this thing about sort of this the the, the discussion of um, you know um, how do we call it? Spiritual transformation and people talking about this new age spiritual movement. And you know, for me, it's you know, I'm I'm a believer that we'll have the spiritual movement and we have the proper tools to help us. You know, basically um, become aware of you know the three windows on consciousness. But I, I actually also think, and I, and I think this is where you come in, because you have, you know, special abilities to be in tune to those, how do we call it, non-material things that are going on behind the scenes. And, you know, so I hear a lot of people like you saying this, and I'm starting to feel this myself. There is a change taking place. And I think different people are starting to awaken. And everyone I'm speaking to, we all say we've got the same boss, you know, God. So, you know, um, this is the lovely thing that I, I'm beginning to notice. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I'm just part of a game plan, part of a cosmic game plan like other people. And we're here, you know, we, it's going to take more than just tools. It's going to take organization, leadership, and, you know, insights and all of this beautiful knowledge that we've got from these ancient traditions and, you know, what we're learning today. So, you know, yes, it is going on. And I think, you know, a very big part for me, I've, I was a cynic about religion. And, you know, I looked at the world that religion has helped create and, you know, the mess we've got in the Middle East. And, you know, I say to myself, you know, they've had, these religions have had a couple of thousand years to teach us this. And I don't think, you know, when I look at today and I look at the clinical studies that have been done, you know, there's, there's no difference in the incidence of those acts in higher states within or outside a religion. And, you know, so therefore all I've done is come along as a scientist and said, look, you know, here's the archaeology. What's the function of the and here's the science of altered states of consciousness from the sun through to the earth, influence on the brain. Here's what's going on in the brain. And, you know, here's how the ritual processes I found relate to this, you know, scientific knowledge. And ultimately, it will mm. effectively allow you to disintermediate the religious and spiritual process. Wow. <laughs> um, a, a couple of things I, I want to say. Um, uh, so many things. But... Um, uh, so on your um, on your website, you talk a little bit about you know routine meditation um, versus versus um, ritual meditation, and um, mm-hmm. you know really about you know routine meditation is very much. And so I'll just kind of summarize this, and you tell me if this makes sense. So routine meditation, you talked about um, 
you know, really is um, is about developing like a wider spiritual health and development for people to really help people develop um, awareness and come into the present moment. So really, that's that's the ritual meditation, and you you know we talk about it's about fifteen to sixty minutes a day, and then the ritual meditation really. Um, goes almost to a deeper level in a sense because it really enhances the state of consciousness, um, creating almost like a, 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 I don't know that name, I can't say that word very well, philosophical change in the brain. And um, and also there's about the breath. What would you say about that? Yeah, look, I'll tell you what, you know, you, you've literally just caught me rewriting that whole page on the website, and I'm looking at oh, it, okay. God, it, isn't it amazing what one year can do, you know, so um, I, I do apologize, because I, I you know, what the way I'm now explaining it, and I, and I think, um, you know, how, how do we call it, we talk about higher states of consciousness, we talk about ego consciousness, and, you know, my, I, I, I went through this transcendental self-realization process on the summer solstice just gone. And I was informed I'd had the Buddha experience and that, you know, basically I don't need to be reborn again. And that I've had, you know, innumerable lifetimes and they've all been for this reason for me to, you know, to ultimately wake up and become aware of who I am. And and so, um, you know, you'll, you'll also see, you know, there are people like Muji, for example, who are real proponents of that self-inquiry, self-realization process. And, you know, for me, I think, you know, the end journey, if you like, of, you know, that spiritual with meditation, yoga, and you know, healing is, is ultimately coming to understand who we are in eternity. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the, the paradox for people is, of course, we're stuck in space and time here on Earth. But our higher self, it kind of, it's like an iceberg, the tip of the iceberg pokes up into this earthly realm and we can experience the higher self. The only place we'll ever experience it is in the now. And that's the beautiful thing about meditation is it's a process that brings us to the now. There is no time in the, in the now. It's, it's without time. It's, it's like a, a space-time vortex or a discontinuum. And so, you know, we meditate or whatever to get to the higher self in the now. And, and, and this is, you know, where we have this mindfulness, this sort of awareness of all of our senses and, um, you know, what's going on inside us with our feelings and our emotions and, you know, that sort of thing. So whereas the ego is, you know, it's counter. It's a, an imposter. It was created probably about three years of age. You know, we were born with the higher self. Memory develops, and, and you know, you think back to when you were a young, you know, a, a young, a young baby. There was a time you didn't remember anything, and all of a sudden you have memory, and you remember that. Yes, and, and yes, yep. Can you hear me? And, okay. And, 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 yeah, yeah. No, no, I can. And, and, and that that point is more or less the same time the ego does. And it, it just it dominates our consciousness for the rest of our life. And so, you know, the process of what we're doing in spirituality is, is ultimately about, you know, learning about how to become aware of the higher self in space and time, so in the earth and life. And then, you know, that's what we do with routine meditation. What we do with ritual meditation is four times a year on the equinoxes and on the solstices we have the opportunity to take to experience the higher self outside of space and time. So then what I mean by that, that is almost like the iceberg under the water. You know, effectively, you know, the high you know, we pull ourselves outside of space and time using the ritual process. 
resolve you know, space, time, bodies, and boundaries. And when we're at the heart of self outside of space and time, you know, we can have these profound experiences and also witness pure consciousness and unity awareness. And there's a you know the whole series of phenomena that can So meditation, you know, routine meditation is nothing more than getting us to the you know to witness or become aware of the higher self in the now. Ritual meditation is something we do four times a year where we, we can literally anesthetize the ego or selectively dissolve it, become aware of the higher self. Mm. You know, um, the whole space and time piece is something that, you know, I, I work with a lot and um, um, most, you know, psychics and mediums work with, with um with meditation and space and time because we know that when you go to a higher place in your mind and people listening, if this is a little confusing, the laws of space and time work differently when you go into meditation because you're really traveling and because you're, you're going to the zero point field or that still energy and you're able to access all that ever was and all that is. And I'm just so excited that you're, that you're educating people around the world on this because that's really um, how we're going to really move through some of these issues and the, the, the things that we're facing. Um, so it's just it's so critical. And I know that you also have been working on talking about global climate change. Can you tell us a little bit about your thoughts on that? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, okay. Um, let me... Let me let me just give you an orientation. Um, here we are, standing at the end of this interglacial period in the 21st century. And most of us, you know, we're, we're talking of this discussion of global warming, but it's really without a context. And the context is, is Earth's cyclical climate. So, you know, most of what we hear and most of the predictions are being based on climate data since the 1880, you know, and a whole science that's developed. And you know, um, how do we call it? I'm one of these guys that I, I, I don't really read other people's stories or dogma. I just give me the data and I'll look at the data and make my own story. And so what I've done is to download 5 million and 1 million years of climate data in 100-year increments and look at that data. And I've also looked at the volcan volcanic data and the earthquake. And, and the reason I've done all of this is because I experienced a, a huge dump of information and a question into my head as I was coming out of one of my rituals just over a year ago, and it asked me, are there more earthquakes and uh, volcanic activity today, and what's happening with the climate? And this was just planted into my consciousness. And, you know, I, I then went away and I, you know, I looked at this. And oh, did we lose you? Are you there? Oh, no, I think we lost him. We did. I, I hope that he calls back in. So we're gonna we're gonna have to wait on bated breath to hear what Carlson has to say about um, global climate change and the pieces. But if you're listening, and this is a lot, it, it, it's 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 phenomenal. It's amazing um, to really start to think about um, meditation. Hello, we were. <laughs> I said we're waiting on yeah. bated breath about the next thing. Okay. <laughs> 
Yeah. So, so, you know, how, how, you know, one of the other things that came to me is, you know, as I was studying pyramids and looking at Mayan um, legend, they, they always said, you know, the, the ancient Maya said, if you really want to know what's going to happen in the future, you must understand the cycles of the past. And ultimately, you know, all of those things that I was saying about this information dump and, you know, just obtaining U.S. government data on climate is that we are, you know, in a global warming episode and humans have certainly exacerbated it. But, you know, the ice caps were always going to melt and, um, you know, the climate was always going to get hotter. And that's just a natural function of Earth cycles. You know, we're at the end of the interglacial period. But if I were looking forward henceforth, and these, these ice ages last 100,000, sorry, um, 85,000 years. So if, you know, if we, we kind of look at, you know, where we stand right now, and we said of the, you know, the next, um, you know, 85,000 years, you know, henceforth, what percent is going to be an ice age and what's going to be global warming? I would say probably around 99.6 to 7%, maybe even 99.8% of that time will be an ice age. So, you know, I'm asking the question, why are we not discussing this within science? And, you know, I'm not going to go into the potential reasons, but, you know, I'm looking at this going, we're not being told the truth. And when yeah. I look at the world that we live in today and, you know, U.S. government's land grab on, on oil potentially and, the, you know, the impact that that's having on Russia getting involved in Syria, I'm asking myself, you know, what are we doing? You know, and why are mm. these guys doing this? And I, I think our governments are acting out of knowledge of, you know, what's going to happen. And, you know, this, is, this potentially is, is not a very good thing. And so a guy like me sort of is saying, well, you know, how do we solve and, you know, the answer to the question is, you know, is this more humans need to be operating from their higher self? It's, it's very true. It's, it's very important. And um, I do believe there's just this huge, like, conscious shift. So, um, Carlton, what is your vision for people? You know, um, I know that you left, you left your, your work, um, you know, working on vaccines and all this to say, I'm going to, I'm going to commit myself as an author and um, a speaker, and 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 teach people this. Um, what what is your what is your vision for that for the world for people listening? You know, I'm going to spend the rest of my life doing my best to help people access all the states of consciousness. I'm a healer, I'm a shaman. And when I said to you I was a veterinary surgeon or I wanted to be a vet as a young child, that was the healing. And I knew that from a very young age. So, you know, I've gone from veterinarian to vaccines, you know, and I'm now, you know, into ritual meditation. This is my job for the rest of my life. So, you know, somewhere along the way, I think I need to become a teacher of teachers. And I, you know, I need to look at the opportunities of making sure that I don't get in the way of sharing this process with as many people and teachers and organizations as I possibly can. Um. So are you, are you, do you have any um, upcoming meditations that you're leading people on? Not at the moment. Um, you know, how do we call it? Um, um, up until very recently, I've, I've been doing what I call cutting my teeth. And, um, you know, and I, I do this with friends. But I, I, I'm really just getting to the stage now where I wish to start doing this for other people who wish to, you know, to, to engage the process. So what... My, you know, my whole website's been redone at the moment, and effectively, this is going to be. A, I, I'm going to become a service provider for people wanting coaching. So, you know, people who buy my book and want their hand holding for a little bit, um, you know, I'm going to do that. I'm going to look at the 
feasibility of, you know, how can I um, establish a ritual meditation center? And, you know, the, the challenge I've got is health and safety and, and legal. And, you know, I won't do anything without having the proper health and safety in place because, you know, we have to take this incredibly seriously. So over the next year, I'm going to be looking at are there ways for me to partner with people and become the teacher of teachers and help people embed this process into their healing retreats and, you know, those sorts of things. And I think there are organizations who are looking at what I'm doing. Um, you know, I would look to work with them as well. So I don't have a firm plan, but I, I will do coaching pretty pretty quickly. Um, I will be turning this book into an e-learning course over the next 12 months. And, you oh, know, the beautiful. idea is just to to simplify, make myself available, and provide different forms of media so, you know, people can really understand this in a much more simplified way. Mm. I did want to talk about another piece just because I find it so fascinating because of my own experience. Um, you talk about, um, you know, through meditation a lot of times people can feel the earth or they get the electromagnetic fields of the earth. And yeah. um, for years and years and years, I would wake up from probably the age of 12 until about oh, even recently I will feel an earthquake or a volcano somewhere on the planet and I would write it down and then I would go and research and find that it happened and realize that, um, you know, I was resonating with the same frequency of the earth and I really feel that we have, we all have that ability. I believe that when we all kind of relax into who we truly are and we do yeah. go to that higher state of consciousness, we can know things beyond what we think we can know. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm going to jump in because, you know, you, you said something earlier on about how you intuit and do the things that you do. And I, I've often thought, you know, because, you know, I, 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 I've been a believer in this, and, but I, I, I didn't know how it worked. And, you know, as I was doing this project, I realized that how you, you're, you're accessing a form, a very subtle form of old you're moving from your ego, you most definitely for now, that you're somehow going from that point of unity and you're accessing the sort of you know, universal information highway. And, you know, I, I think what you're doing is very, very real and you clearly have a gift for that. And I think the science and the things that I've found fully support the things that you've said to me tonight. And I, I just wanted to say that. Oh, yeah, that's, it's, it is very exciting. I think that... Um, you know, the, but the, you're really taking it to a whole other level. The other piece I, I wanted to add in here, because I, I, I do have friends who are astrologers, and I've been talking to people a lot about what's going on with the sun and the, um, with the moon cycles and everything. So I think that this timing of you really talking about all this is really um, amazing because of yeah. what's going on. I, I, I've got to say, it was it was one of the biggest findings of the archaeology project. It just, you know, what it says, the net conclusion is the alignments to the equinox and the solstices are about, you know, what happens on the winter solstice sunrise and the summer solstice sunset is the Schumann resonances are at their twice yearly peaks. And the Schumann resonances are a sort of a, you know, they're a series of electromagnetic signatures of planet Earth, and they're generated by the lightning centers, the global lightning centers, and also with, you know, daylight, so sunrise and sunset. And those um, Schumann resonances interact with our alpha brainwaves, particularly the first mode of the Schumann resonance, it has a frequency of 7.8 hertz, 
and its wavelength mm. is equal to the circumference of planet Earth. So it's the fundamental um, um, chord or note or tune, if you like, of the planet. And it's also the signature of when we're in deep meditation and we're in transcendental states. So I think when you're accessing alpha brainwave states, you are accessing pure, you know, consciousness, the mechanism of consciousness. And, um, you know, so the, the, the sacred, and, and the equinox, it's magnetic activity. So both, you know, the human resonances and magnetic activity, they're driving alpha one brainwaves. Or they're driving the voltage increases of the alpha one brainwaves that the, the body is naturally producing in meditation. And so the way the brain works is, you know, we're, we're, we've got these four states of consciousness. You know, we're awake, and, and, and being awake for most of us is just ego consciousness. We go to sleep, and then we start dreaming. But our higher states of consciousness, you know, um, are the fourth state of consciousness, you know, that we, you know, that we, we, we talk about. And, and so, you know, the ancients understood that, the, you know, the process of meditation required them to trip thresholds of brain chemicals and alpha brain voltage. And they understood, they felt, they intuited, they probably learned an altered state of consciousness by meditating on the solstices and the equinoxes, they could assist meditation. And if they took these hallucinogens, you know, they could really kick it into touch. And so, you know, all they're doing is, you know, supplementing alpha brainwave voltages. And what you're doing and what you were talking about earlier on is you, you just, you sound to me an awful lot like, you know, we lost this ability, but animals still possess it. So, you know, for instance, you know, dogs will warn you when there are storms coming. They will warn you when there are earthquakes or volcanic, yeah. you know, volcanic reactions. And we just see the visible or the auditory that these, these things are emitting, you know, ultra-low frequencies, um, you know, in the weeks running up to the events. So it sounds to me if you are, you are doing that yourself, then you have an incredibly sensitive brain picking up on these electromagnetic. It's not. It's not always a fun thing, but <laughs> no. yeah. um, So um, I, I want to say thank you because our listeners don't know this yet. But you have offered um, the listeners of this show a free download of your book. Um, and so, if you're listening, and um, it's um, it's going to be available on my website, which is melissaboyd.net. Under resources, and under resources, I have a, a link that says meditations. And so, Carlton, I'm going to put your information there and the link there for our listeners. And I want to thank you for that. And um, how can people um, learn about you, um, read your book, read your blogs? What is the best website for you? Yeah. I think the best thing is to go to www.ritualmeditation.com and you've got access to all of the retail sites, my social media sign-up forms and everything, you can sign up to my blog. Um, and there's a lot of resources, for instance, there's a meditation calendar, a free meditation calendar that will tell you sunrise, sunset, moonrise, moonset, phase of moonset, any date in any geographical location on the face of the planet. So it's really good for timing your meditation so you can benefit just you know, from timing to improve just your simple daily meditation, as well as obviously timing your ritual. And then there's mm. things you can look at the 450 pounds and things like downloading and this file. So www.ritualmeditation.com. And um, I did want to just say too, um, 
uh, one more thing, and, and have you comment on it, but you talk about, um, you know, the spiritual and healing benefits to society of accessing higher states of consciousness. So spiritual awakening, um, uh, management of death anxiety, abuse, trauma, sexual abuse, um, childhood abuse, yeah. PTSD, addictions, um, anxiety and depression. These are a lot of issues that people are facing all the time. And so by accessing ritual meditation, people can um, release some of these. You, you, you know what it is? is I, I, I sat here. I, my, my passion is market disrupt innovation. And what I'm doing is I'm looking for blockages in markets. I'm looking for, you know, poor competitive responses that mean that we don't have good treatments. And, you know, I've looked at this ritual meditation process and I've looked at the big picture, you know, of the, the banning of psychedelics. And I said, you know, who, who, who stands together? So clearly, you know, there are these people practicing their meditation and yoga and, it's, you know, their, their spirituality would benefit immensely. This is a teeth into your, your spiritual practice and you'll come to know exactly what I mean. But there's a massive amount of data, you know, from the 1950s through to the 70s, and new data is beginning to emerge where we're seeing significant benefits to people with death anxiety. You know, people have just found out they've got cancer, and you know, they're filled with dread and angst, and you know, they, they really don't get that managed. You know, not from an existential or a consciousness point of view. There are people, you know, like myself, I came from an incredibly abusive childhood. And, you know, this is one of the motivating drivers for me because, it's, you know, nearly 50 years of age, you're kind of stuck with who you are. And, you know, myself and certain relationships are putting me under pressure. You know, um, you know, I, I had cheeks in my, you know, how do we call it, who I was. And I knew I needed to profoundly heal. So that was a real motivating driver to go back and get this. And I healed myself. I, I have banished the need, need to heal. It's gone. It's disappeared as a result of this transcendental self-organization using wow. meditation. It's just gone. And then, you know, um, you know, depression and anxiety and, and chemical addictions like alcoholism and stopping smoking cigarettes. These are shown that it really impressive kind of So the problem we've got is, number one, is medical practice been halted, and number two, psychedelics have been kind of output. And the real problem is not so much that, it's that we don't have a process in the public domain that's safe. And you, you've got people talking set and setting for the use of psychedelics, and in the next breath they're combining them with drugs and alcohol, and there's nothing safe. <laughs> by, by and large. So I saw the problem is there was no process, and this, this is the thinking behind the ritual meditation. It, it, it is a full process, an agency guide with safety. I, I call it sacred, which is my proxy for safety. Mm, and, yeah. you know, this is, this, is, this is kind of what I put in the public domain. Now, I've not got clinical data to say, yes, this is going to do this. But the, there's, a, there's probably about 50 publications on my website with all of the clinical data from the best publications. And you can read this and look for yourself around the benefits of using psychedelics. And all I've done with ritual meditation is package it into a process that makes sense with 5,000 plus years of validation from our ancestors, you know, for the great empires and societies. And I've kind of adapted it to the world today. Wow, thank you. And then um, since you're on spiritual tools, I ask everybody this question at the end of their interview, which is, what is your favorite spiritual tool right now? 
meditation, mm. without a doubt, meditation. Um, you know, I just, it's just such a powerful practice. You know, what, you know, I used to, how do we call it, meditations used to be much more difficult for me until some solstice, and now, you know, I just literally sink into my higher self-awareness, and, and, and I'm there, I'm just there with me. And, you know, when you do that every morning or at sunset or through the day, you know, for, for me, it's, it, 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 it makes Eckhart Tolle's words, you know, so real. That is so true. And I hope that our listeners are listening. And um, thank you so much, Carlton Brown. I appreciate you being on the show today and um, sharing your work and your visions and um Again, thank you for um, you know putting that book out there for our listeners, which they can find um, at um, my website melissaboyd.net, and your um, and your website is ritualmeditation.com. So thank you so much, and um, be well. Indeed, Melissa. Thank you. Excuse me, I'm just. Um Followed something there. Just, just a you know a huge big thanks as well for getting me on the show and to the listeners for listening. And you know, please reach out if you want to talk about this. If you just just want to chat and know more, uh, just message me via my website. Thank you very much. Thank you. Good evening. Good night. Good night. See you. Bye. Well, that was amazing. And um, talking about meditation and really. Um, going deep within meditation. And speaking of that, I, I decided that tonight I would, um, I'm going to use the, the remainder of the, the time to, to lead you in a, a deep meditation because I do feel that meditation is key in our world and who we are and who we're becoming. So even if you've never done meditation before, I invite you to just um, come within with me. So go ahead and find yourself in a comfortable position. You can be seated on a couch, on a chair. Be comfortable. Have your feet on the floor and bare feet if possible. You can also cross your legs. Relax your shoulders. And bring your hands to your lap with your palms facing upward. Bring first thumb and finger to touch. What I'd like you to do is breathe through your nose and just like you're sipping in air through your nose, I'd like you to breathe in to the count of three. So breathing in and holding that at the top of your breath, the count of three. And then like you're blowing through a straw with your mouth, with your lips like as if there's a straw in your mouth, go ahead and blow out your breath for the count of seven. And now breathe and relax and come back to normal breathing. Have your eyes either closed or almost closed. Relax your jaw. Again, breathing in through your nose. This time, breathe in like sipping in breath through your nose to a count of five if you can. And 
And when you come to the top of the count of five, just hold it, if you can, for three, two, one. This time, pierce your lips and blow out to the count of nine. Breathe in through your nose. Relax. Come back to center. Now what I'd like you to do is as you're breathing, I would like you to just breathe deeply and completely, a normal breath. But start to breathe and see if you can breathe with your fingers. Imagine that your fingers are breathing as well as you're breathing. And now breathe as if you're breathing through the bottoms of your feet, the lungs of your feet. Imagine your feet are breathing. They're taking in air. Now breathe into your heart, into your throat. Breathe into the spaces of your back that may be holding or your shoulders that may be stuck. Breathe into your ears. Breathe into your eyes. And come back to center. Clear your mind. Allow yourself to float. Let go of any worry, any anxiety, anything you're holding on to. Start to imagine that in the palms of your hands, you can feel gentle pools of water just swirling around the palms of your hands. And as they start to buzz around the palms of your hands, it opens up space for more. More love, more light, more peace, more joy. And just feel yourself as a vibrational wave because you are a vibration. Feel the vibrational waves of energy just moving through you and around you. Surrender to this energy. Allow yourself to become heavy and light at the same time. And breathe in as if you're breathing into the deepest parts of your belly. And exhale gently, completely. And as you relax your tongue on the floor of its mouth, separate your teeth. Become aware of any bodily sensations, any energy that's stuck. And now I want you to imagine that you're just being brought to a waterfall, a waterfall of light. This is a healing light. And this waterfall of light starts to just cascade down through your being 
floating down through your forehead, your temples, your eyes, your eyelids, your cheekbones, your nasal cavity, your ears, your earlobes. You swallow this waterfall of light down your throat. It just cascades all the way down your body. Just feel yourself in this wave of light, this wave of energy, pure potential. Sit in the now and breathe. Be still and vibrant, open and pure. Just sit in silence now for about two minutes. I'll ring a bell to bring you back. Just let go and surrender. Sitting in the silent form. Now slowly and gently open your eyes. Come back into your body, into the room where you sit, to the place where you are. And feel a newness around you. So you just completed almost a 10-minute meditation. So congratulations if you have never meditated before. And just know that this pure, positive energy is always available to you. I want to thank my guest tonight, Carlton Brown. And if you want to learn more about my services or visit my website, you can do so at melissaboy.net. Have a beautiful evening. Namaste. Be well. Live with love. And I send all of you heartfelt joy from my heart to yours. Namaste.